Historic Cosmic Potato Studios, welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. Now, on with the show. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of That Star Trek Podcast, your one-stop pod for discussions, reviews, ruminations, theorizing, and general chicanery of all things Trek. My name is Scott Madison. I am your host, and it's definitely not the oatmeal. I am joined tonight by a a fine, fine panel of many of our usual co-hosts. Joining me, we have Rick. How are you? Who are you people? I, I say that pretty much every time we get on... <laughs> on the microphone we're also joined by tom tom how are you sir i don't want my pain taken away i need my pain best line in that movie uh joining us as well once again from the quantum leap podcast we have chris how are you i had a witty quote but i forgot it that was the witty quote (laughs) well done well done indeed and finally host of captain game show and uh a well of unending patience for me. We're joined by John Irons. How are you? Chris took my joke. <laughs> you could claim to forget that I took your joke and just do it again. Don't tell me how to live my life. <laughs> Who are you people? I need my pain. See, it works. Please, sir, not in front of the Klingons. Oh, wait, wrong. wrong I want show. my memories. Um... Just in case anyone is confused, just think back to this week's new episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Season 2, Episode 4, Among the Lotus Eaters. Everyone forgets stuff in that episode. That's that's why we're making all the... Okay, this episode was written by Kirsten Beyer and Davey Perez and directed by Eduardo Sanchez. And I find this episode interesting because right from almost right from the jump it takes us back once again as we saw in uh star trek discovery season two it's going to take us back to the time of the cage and revisiting the location of a previous mission from captain pike and the enterprise on rigel seven uh a mission to control uh cultural contamination of with starfleet technology on planet rigel seven leads Captain Pike, Dr. Mbenga, and Lieutenant La'an to the planet's surface where they mysteriously find that their memories have fled them. And drama ensues. Um, As normal, we're going to go around the table. We're going to get everyone's uh, overall general thoughts on the episode before we start diving into specifics. So, in reverse order, John. What did you think of this week's episode? I liked this week's episode. Um, 
I was, I was, I don't, I get this sense. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, I suspect that this season um, I might like more than you guys because um, I can appreciate an homage. I don't know. I could be wrong. I think maybe I can appreciate an homage to the old Star Trek feel without feeling as much that it's derivative or just a remake of something you've already seen. Eh. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come out swinging, I guess. You guys suck, and I'm the best, and I like the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then continuing on, Chris, what did you think of the episode this week? Well, you know, I'm not gonna throw shade on John, the illustrious John Irons, uh, but I was really excited for this one because I wanted that cage callback, and I even went back and watched the pertinent scenes from the cage to sort of prime me for this one, and I was happy I did. That being said, um, listen, not the greatest episodes of Strange New Worlds, but like, it's no dumber than many episodes of Toss, so, yeah. <laughs> I know it sounded different, but I actually feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good yardstick. Um, it was about as as dumb as old episodes. <laughs> I mean, it was no Spock's brain. That's the vibe they're going for, I feel. I will die on that hill. That's a great episode. I it's a whole other I, show. I will I will agree with you to an extent on that one. I don't think it I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as everyone says, but it is clear it is easily one of their stupider ones. <laughs> All I'm gonna say is brain and brain. What is, what brain? is brain? That it, it gave us that line. That alone Guys, just puts it in the annals of Star I'm, Trek I'm history. I'm sorry, I'm back on the clock. I'm gonna cut all this out. <laughs> Save yourself the time and effort. He's the one who brought up Spock's brain. <laughs> I know he's saying I should hey, have said it before we started recording. This is a general announcement. <laughs> hey, Tom. Tom, what did you think of Spock's brain? I'm sorry. What did you think of this week's Strange New Worlds? Um, I, I guess I liked it better on the second rewatch. Although I should give the caveat that I did fall asleep during the second rewatch. Um, I think overall this is going to be a forgettable episode. <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. Um. It, it has some good points to it, some things that we'll we'll probably discuss later. But yeah, you know, overall, really, I pun not intended. It, I really think it's going to be a forgettable episode of uh, the season. All right, fair enough. Uh, finally, let's uh, let's go to Rick and get your take on this episode. All right, I'm going to say first of all, it's not you, it's me, and I'm saying this to the episode and to the writers. I hate the trope of the characters not knowing who they are. That has only worked once for me in the entire history of Star Trek, and that was Conundrum um, on TNG. Any other time that they do this, I just, I despise it. I loathe it with a passion. So it had, it lost me pretty much from the gate as soon as I saw where it was going. I don't think anyone did a bad job with it. Uh, I, like you said, I don't think it's any stupider than any other TOS. This was certainly one of the most TOS episodes that they've done. You know, n never mind the, the throwback to Rigel 7. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into the, the Kalar looking very different because that's, you know, we've dealt with that pro that issue before. It didn't bother me. Um, but I just I just hate this this particular trope. It's one of the reasons I couldn't get into Quantum Leap is because 
that's the beginning of every Quantum Leap episode is, you know, uh, uh, Bakula's character, I can't remember his name now. Um, <laughs> having Chris to, is just going to let you dangle. Uh, having to do that at the beginning of every every episode. And sometimes I could get past it, and most of the time I couldn't. And this this is just like dark matter. I After we talked to uh, Joe, Joe Malozzi, um, I wanted to watch Dark Matter, but that's the whole thing. It opens up, and you've got all these people who don't know who they are, and then you've got to spend the whole first season while they try to figure it out, and I just have no, don't have the patience for that. You know, for the record, the Swiss cheesing was a factor in, like, the first two episodes. Sam doesn't, like, come to every episode saying, who am I? So just <laughs> shut your mouth. You know what? <laughs> Obviously, this is a podcast, so you guys couldn't see it, but it was like, Chris was like a cartoon character slowly filling up with red. So he, held it, he held it in as long as he could. <laughs> and again, like, like, but like I said, it's not you, it's me. That's that's a a story conceit that I cannot tolerate. 99% of the time. And it's not it's not a purposeful thing. It's not like, oh god, I, you know, I'm going to hate this because I hate it. I just don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't like to watch it. And like I tried to watch rewatch the episode and I got about 5 minutes in and I was like, I just can't do it. I just I just don't have the 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 drive to do it and I didn't. This is the first time I haven't rewatched a show on purpose. So so that's just like an off switch. Like there's like you don't feel you like, and I know I know you're not saying it's not a conscious choice, but so you just can't enjoy it if that's the premise. Nope. Doesn't matter. And I it, it was it well was a slog getting through this episode the first time. It was very difficult. Okay. Yeah, and, and like I said, the only time I can think of where it was done in a way that for some reason I was cool with it was conundrum. Uh, and I found that, it, and also, and the weird thing about Conundrum is just due to the vagaries of syndication and when things were aired, that was the first episode I ever saw Roe in. So I had no idea what was going on between her and Riker until later when I saw the beginning of the season years later and went, oh, that's why it was funny that they slept together because they hate each other. I mean, if you find that sort of thing funny, I suppose. Uh, for, b before we jump into the uh, uh, specific discussions of the episode, I will chime in and say that, I, on the whole, I, I did enjoy this episode. Um, it, it wasn't perfect, but by and large, um, I, I had a fun time watching it. I thought that uh, the, the performances were, were quite good. Um, particularly, and I will acknowledge the fact that this might have colored my overall opinion of the episode, but uh, it was... Uh, hands down the most involvement that we've gotten from Pike in an episode all season it, as has been discussed before we haven't seen Pike very much uh, this season uh, he was barely in episode 1 barely in episode uh, 3 and he was here and there a bit in the second episode but he didn't have a, a large role to play this one he was uh, very much front and center and uh, in addition to being glad that the character and the actor is back, I thought that he did particularly well uh, with how he was portraying the, the memory loss throughout the episode and uh, seeing Pike get get mad at the end of the episode. I, I thought that was that was very engaging. Um, I thought he, he pulled the whole thing off very well. Um, so overall, I enjoyed it. We'll talk about things that were bad, but uh, I thought it was a nice episode. 
uh, overall. Both times I watched it. And now as we move on to the plot specifics, uh, we'll, we'll begin at the beginning with, um, with date night on board the Enterprise. We have uh, Captain Battelle coming to Pike's quarters as he is cooking pasta again. Uh, she gives him a present and they try to have dinner, but she's interrupted more than once by uh, subspace communications. And we find out that she did not get a promotion that they both were expecting her to get. Pike blames that on their relationship and decides it's time to uh, to take a little break. And then she gets, gets upset and she leaves. Now, before we get to the next episode in the briefing room, anyone have anything they want to chime in with regarding this uh, this relationship-centric first scene? I thought Pike was an idiot, and that also made me crazy. Um, because, as she put it, your timing is great. You know, that was just the worst time to break up with somebody. Not that there's ever a good time, but, you know, he could have... And, and I liked how number one came in and, and smacked him around for it too. Mm-hmm. But it was, it, it was a very frustrating. And I, I don't know. I found, I found it to be rather petty and juvenile of Pike. And that felt wrong to me. I didn't, it, you know, it was this close to sending an email. And well, I'm not disagreeing that about it being petty and juvenile, but he's playing the superhero card. The, I gotta, you know, we can't be together to protect you. I liked it. I liked it because um, just having watched the original pertinent scenes from the cage, I mean, Pike is, when it comes to Rigel 7, even though Rigel 7 hasn't been announced yet in the episode, he tends to get sulky and withdrawn when he feels like he's done something wrong um in this scene with boys he's talking about leaving the fleet altogether because he's sick of deciding who lives and who dies i lost my personal yeoman including the other two and that comes back in this episode but i felt it was an oddly pertinent through line from that scene and from that version of pike that we saw jeffrey hunter portray in the cage and carried through to the pike that Anson Mount is playing in this. And I don't think I would have gotten that had I not just watched them sort of back to back. So that to me was maybe the strongest part of his performance in this episode. He somehow seemed to channel some of that more angsty feeling that uh, Hunter brought to the role in, uh, in, in the first scenes of the pilot episode anyway. I know at the end he's completely different, you know, because he got through it and everything's fine, but... I mean, he's talking about leaving the fleet and opening a business somewhere or becoming an Orion slave trader. I mean, wow, 1966, huh? <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it, it was still a, a nice parallel for me. So that's that's part of the reason I stuck with the episode and was able to find some things to enjoy in it. You're not wrong. That's that's a good point. I didn't I didn't consider that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that. Um, it just indicated that this was a serious relationship because uh, i mean we saw them before and we, we see they've got this on again off again thing but that's not the same as it's like hey i'm in town you're in town let's get together that's not the same as a commitment which is clearly what they're working for or trying to do in this episode so mm-hmm. just as you know kind of a change of pace on star trek <laughs> it's nice to see like the captain like try to stick with one woman like for the duration 
even if it doesn't work out like it's 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 good to see like from, from yeah. right from the beginning of the from the beginning of the series it it uh, makes me think of of Cisco mm-hmm. on Deep Space 9 from from the point they introduced uh Katz from that point on he was I, that was the relationship that that he was focused on and and I really appreciated that relationship and how they handled it throughout the rest of the series um as for Pike's behavior yeah he could have picked a, a better time to do it but his his reasoning um as Tom put it you know being the hero I I I didn't like it and it was it was a knock against him for behaving that way, but at the same time, it was relatable because who among us has not known someone who has done that same thing and and you know was kind of the asshole for it. Yeah, and I liked, as you pointed out, Rick, that uh, number one called him out on it because it's not it's not because you're watching him like okay, well I can see where you're coming from, but then she comes in and lets you know that no, this is what you always do. Oh, well, we didn't know that, so yeah, then you're now you're a dick. Yeah, and, but, and that but, was my thing. I think if if we see like a like if if uh, the Kirk from you know Lieutenant Kirk did that, it'd be like all right, that's that's a young young man doing that. But Pike is a seasoned, you know, forty something. You, you would yeah. think he wouldn't pull that kind of teenage bullshit. It's, but it's not just teenage bullshit. Like everybody has their fatal flaws. Everybody and, has that one thing that they do that's. And it makes them their own worst enemy. That's their self-destructive thing. And hopefully everyone has someone close to them who will point out, okay, you're doing that thing you do. Mm-hmm. Stop doing that thing. Yeah. No, please, nobody. It's not It's not a Tom Hanks moment. Nobody bring it up. I just happen to use the phrase. It doesn't mean you have to sing it. Oh, <laughs> I've never seen the movie, but I know what you're talking about. I, I kind of like it um, in the sense that it's making me look at this Pike in a whole new light because where did we first find him in the premiere of Strange New Worlds? He was holed up in his cabin in the wilderness of Montana, a lone man on a horse with a beard, just trying to forget about everything. So we see that he has a tendency to withdraw when he is faced with something that he's not comfortable with. And again, they carried over from that scene in the cage when he's pouting in his quarters over his martini. He's crying into his martini. I love it. I love boys. I just love him. Yeah. That's another good point. You're, you're, and make it all about watch him the cage, when yeah. it's really not about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So after this, uh, uh, after this relationship scene, we move directly into the mission briefing where Una is explaining uh, the original mission to Rigel, where we get more information than we had, more information than we got from those who watched the cage, um, and a little bit of extra background on what they were doing there. Uh, and then filling us in on how recent scans of the planet have turned up a garden <clears throat> shaped uh, as a Starfleet Delta that is visible from orbit, which tells them that there has been some type of cultural contamination. Now they have to go and clean it up. We have Pike assigning uh, La'an and uh, Mbenga to the crew or to the landing party. And it's, I assume that it was clear to you guys as well, but. But from from the moment he said that he needed Mbanga, uh, Joseph said you need a doctor for a uh, for a prime directive mission, and Pike's only response was I need you, and he didn't elaborate. 
which tells me immediately, oh, it's because we've established that that uh, Mbenga can handle himself in a fight, and Pike is preparing for that, so that's why he's bringing him. Did was anyone else surprised by the reveal for why he chose him? No, I thought it was pretty it, clear because Mbenga no. called him yeah. on it. He's like, "Why the hell do you want me?" You know, because you pick it up. I it could have been one or two things. It could have been what we suspected it was, which was we know how to handle yourself physically. Um, or it could have been something else to be revealed later because you have a particular history with someone or something going on or this planet or something or or with me that we did, that will be revealed later in the episode. But yeah. Yeah, I just felt like Pike based, remembered. Based, I'm sorry, John. No, I was going to say, but you know, based on the previously on, yeah, they, it was pretty clear that it was probably that. Yeah. Yeah, and based on his experiences there, Previously, he's he's already you know bracing for a fight, and hopefully we will find out before this season is out just what the hell happened to him, Banga, to make him the doctor who will kick ass in a heartbeat and juice himself up before beforehand, and <laughs> you know all the stuff we saw before. Because I love Mbenga, and I love um, oh I keep forgetting the actor's name. Um, anyway, the he's, the actor who plays Mbenga, Mbenga, yeah. Babs. I can't remember his Babs, last name. Babs, that's it. it. Yeah. Um, I think he's awesome. I cannot get enough of him on screen, but it, even even given the reason for bringing him, it just was odd, an odd choice for him to be on that mission. Um, as we often do on the show, we'll cite um, the concise neat cap on superanemic.com where uh, her version of Mbenga uh, points out: Are there no other security officers that are better suited for this than than the doctor? But apparently not. Um, Pike also taps um, Erica to pilot the shuttle down to the uh, down to the planet. Uh, but as everyone is on their way to the shuttle to embark on the mission, we find out that there are asteroid fragments that are going to be in the Enterprise's path, and Erica can't go with the landing party because she has to drive the Enterprise. Uh, so now she's mad at Spock because he's the one that presented the data that said she was going to have to do that. And I I can't remember. I think that was where the, where the credits started, right? Yeah. Just before that, I think. Okay. But right around there. All right. Um, now I, I remember it was. I understand why they did it, and it was it was a humorous moment, but it was also kind of contrived that Erica is the only one who can handle the ship if there's rocks around. Well, I and, thought it was contrived that she's giving her personal log and announcing through her personal log that my name is Erica Ortegas and I fly the ship. And I, I realize it narratively connected to the end of the episode, but I, I was watching it and I watched it a few times uh, because unlike you guys, um, I, I, I've seen this one a few times because I couldn't get through it all the way. I had to stop a few times. So I've seen the beginning three times. I saw it through for the first time all the way tonight. And it just struck me as it's your personal log. Why are you announcing to your personal log who you are and what you do? It, it made no sense in the moment. She's going to go through that personal log several years down the line and go, oh, that was so cringy. She's going to go, oh, that's who I was. Oh, that's what I did. Thank God I forgot. Why Why did I introduce myself in full in every personal <laughs> log? I'm so full of myself yeah, back then. That was, that was just dumb writing. That was just dumb. 
there was no reason. There was no explanation. <laughs> now that scene uh, in, in the corridor where Spock comes in and Pike has to tell Erica to stay on board. That is the scene that I remember being shown in like a, a sneak peek. I think it was sometime last year. Uh, so it's probably well, it was right also here. the ready room sneak peek they did last week too. Oh, then I don't know why, but I haven't managed to to see any episodes of the Red Room this season. I it just, it just keeps on slipping my mind. But this was a sneak peek scene from from many months ago, and I really assumed that it was a scene from the beginning of what was going to be a very uh, Erica focused episode. So I was expecting this one to be like the episode where we get. A, a whole lot of insight into Ortega's and it didn't happen. We got more of her and from her than we normally do, but it certainly wasn't her episode. And, and I was expecting it would be, and I was surprised. Everything we got from her was just surface. It was just totally surface stuff. I mean, they made it so that she doesn't even know who she is. So the fact that the, the whole episode is her just rediscovering her basic function on the ship, which we all already know. She flies the ship. Yeah. Oh, and so that reminds me. We were talking about this last week. Yeah, last week. Uh, apparently, you don't have to go to a, a comm panel to talk to the computer on this enterprise. No, no. <laughs> that, 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 was that very annoyed me when you guys pointed it oh, out. I hadn't noticed yeah. it, but now it's annoying me throughout. So thank yeah. you. I didn't think about it. That's a fair point. It didn't bother me, but yeah, I can I, see why it, it would bother you. It did. It didn't bother me until I noticed it, because <laughs> right. we were so used to them doing that mm -hmm. from TNG mm -hmm. onward that I it didn't even dawn on me they were doing that until it dawned on me they were doing that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, I I see where you're coming from, Rick. I can't say that it bothers me. I think it's just one of those things that I, with all of the issues that we can find in pretty much any episode of Trek ever, it that just doesn't rank high on my list. But I acknowledge it, and I acknowledge you. I see you. Well, thank you. And, and I'm not saying that it bothers me because from a, you know, it's like the transporter. The transporter exists for narrative reasons because landing the ship for every mission wasn't in the budget. So they're like, what if we have a way to, to just transport people down it was like all right fine um it, it it's not so much that it bothers me but i notice it now i really wish we hadn't had that discussion last week because it wouldn't have dawned on me except we talked about it <laughs> and now i'm going to notice it every time it happens that star trek podcast ruining star trek for <laughs> listeners everywhere all right in the next scene we see captain pike with uh dr Mbenga and lieutenant laan making the descent down to the planet um, through the the volcanic uh, clouds past the asteroid that hit the planet thousands of years ago. And they land to start their 20-kilometer walk to the, the Kalar uh, settlement or town or whatever we're calling it. And before they exit the shuttle, Pike explains to them we're going to have no Starfleet tech whatsoever. We have old stuff that Spock made that we're going to use so we can completely blend in. Don't you think that would have been an important thing to say before leaving on the mission? Yeah, probably something that you want to you want to bring up before you land. So, oh, <laughs> hey, just uh, just be, be prepared. No phasers, no tricorders, no nothing like that. You get a telescope. And I don't know what Benga had in his bag, but 
We know they got a telescope. Bear skins. <laughs> just about to say that. And some leeches. He had some leeches. <laughs> Stone eyes, bear skins, and leeches. Um, they're just about to begin their walk, and um, we have our first instance of memory loss with the. Uh, for me personally, the really obnoxiously loud ringing in the ears effect that they use at least three times before they start bringing the volume down. Can I ask y'all a question? Do no. any of you enjoy tinnitus? <laughs> because I do, and they got it right. Obviously, whoever made the sound effect for that has it too, because that's what it sounds like, and it's that bad. Sometimes it's like Ugh. I have to put on headphones and blast my music, and I can still hear that fucking ringing. Because it's you know inside your head. It's not coming from outside, so you can't drown it out. Isn't that kind of counterproductive to, to tinnitus? <laughs> no, like, because if you go into silence, it's even worse, because that's all well, you hear is the universe screaming in your brain. Well, I not, not counterproductive to the relief of it, but counterproductive to the, like, having it and making it worse. There, nobody knows the cause. Oh, okay. And there's no treatment for it. I've looked. <laughs> I was thinking it was may have been caused by the headphones <laughs> blasting as loud as you can. No, right. that, that, that's one of the theories. <laughs> okay, so I'm not totally off base. No, yeah, no, you're not. But it's it's like hiccups. Nobody really knows what causes it or how to treat it. And so as I was saying... <laughs> <laughs> and so as I was saying, we're going to spin this off into uh, in, into the next Infinite Potato Podcast, uh, Trek Medical Talk. Um, but... Does this still look swollen to you? <laughs> once we get La'an coming out of her... <laughs> Once we get Lan coming out of her um, uh, memory loss fugue state, uh, we, the viewers, discover along with her that it's been six hours since they left the shuttle, and she has no memory of any of that. And uh, in in a, a truly unusual move, the character actually explains what she has experienced and what the problem is. That was a saving mm, grace for the episode. Yes and no. Me. Yes and no. She said, I'm disoriented, and I've had to bring it she didn't say, wait, we left the shuttle six. We've been walking for six hours in the snow, and I don't remember it, and we're not soaking wet somehow. And six hours? How far away did you freaking park? On a mountain range? Six 20 hours? kilometers, they said. Six hours trudging through the snow? I think that's a little overkill. How long does it take to walk 20 clicks? A long time. Yeah. 20, 20 kilometers is roughly 10 miles. On unfamiliar terrain, in bad weather, trying they to be, be inconspicuous. Yeah, they gotta be sneaky because they're sneaking. And and I, I, I wouldn't have made it in six hours. Um, so I, you, you guys have a point. She did downplay it, but she did not say, "No, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Let's keep yeah. going." No, you're right. I I noted that as well, and I knew that you would. Say <laughs> I knew that you would note it as well, but no, I, I also appreciated it because it's what a responsible officer or person would do in that situation. Yeah, she did downplay it, but she did acknowledge that there's something wrong. Yeah, she she didn't handle it perfectly, but doing and then, it. And then, sorry, do, doing it somewhat, admitting and explaining somewhat is better than just playing it off as I'm fine and and hoping that it doesn't you know ruin the mission or endanger everybody's life. 
Yeah. And after and after a- shitting on this episode, I will say, and sorry, John, I just want to throw this in real quick, then I'll shut up. Um, going back to season three of Picard, at least they've been getting away from the, I'm not going to tell anyone what's happening. I'm going to actually fess up right away because this is this is weird and we need to deal with it. So um, that that oh. if she had said, no, everything's fine. And then they had to figure it out later. That would have pissed me off even more. Agreed. I don't know what I was going to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so that's the first indication that something is missed. Um, later, or in, in, in the next scene, they... I remember. <laughs> no, it was... Um, I appreciated that they had a discussion about it. Like, okay, there's something that seems like it might be kind of wrong. What do we do in that? And the three of them, like, they had a real discussion. Okay, should we go back? Should we go forward? Just like, I don't know. Like, I, I appreciated the discussion in and of itself. That's all I want to say. Uh, next up, we have we have the landing party uh, finally coming within sight of the Kalar Fortress. Uh, we have another headache more ringing in the ears and as they're trying to sort out what's happening, whether they have to make camp and then go back to the shuttle in the morning, Mbenga comes up over uh, the ridge and he's got uh, guards coming in behind them and they make it clear that they know this is a Starfleet landing party they all have Starfleet issue phaser rifles which as a what I think was a nice bit of continuity um, and Someone, please check me if you know whether or not I'm wrong. The phaser rifles they were carrying, I believe, are the same models that we saw in Discovery, Seasons 1 and 2. Which would have been a, about the right time period for those weapons. I don't know if we've seen phaser rifles in Strange New Worlds. But these look like, like yeah, Discovery I, rifles. I, I, yeah, and I wouldn't say that's the right time period for these weapons. Because you got to remember what happened on Rigel 7 happened before the events of the cage because they refer to it in the cage and the cage had that 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 super futuristic retro futuristic phaser rifle in it uh prominently featured when they were blowing Mm -hmm. off the top of the mountain so that that was a phaser bank that was a phaser cannon that they brought down the 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 phaser rifle i think you may be thinking of was in where no man has gone before okay when they're fighting yeah yeah. but i i I, I wish that they had i wish that they had that but how many of those rifles did they have he said he lost track of ordinance because they were in a firefight (laughs) yeah but how they had enough how many people were in that landing party six seven three died they dropped a few they and they just had these endless phaser rifles it it was they apparently brought cases of equipment down for a four-hour mission. So it's like Gilligan's Island. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like they the just needed, They just needed a radio and <laughs> you beat me to it. I was going to say a radio and a steam trunk full of money. <laughs> uh, so they're taken prisoner. They are brought to the palace, and this is when it is revealed that one member of the uh, original uh, original team from several years ago did not, in fact, die on that mission, but he survived, and he has now been made the king of the Kalar. Um, this, I wasn't expecting it. I, it didn't, like, totally blow my mind, but I, I didn't see that particular part coming. I figured this was a society that had just incorporated some tech that they found and uh, put the iconography up on, on their 
on their fortress. Uh, but the the yeoman, Zack, from the Enterprise uh, originally, is is now the king, and he's he's kind of a dick. Kinda. You know what? He's 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 representing for all those uh, wasted red shirts everywhere. <laughs> so, See, I, I this... like that. It, yeah, another callback because, again, I don't. They, again, the military aspect of the cage was so much different than what we saw in later Trek, and you know the the naval aspect as well. He said three people died, including my personal yeoman. Kirk had Rand too. Like all, they all had personal, like basically it's your space butler. Yeah. And he's lamenting the loss of his Samwise. It's, it's just, <laughs> it just, it, it fascinates me. See the, the problem. And, and this is where we start getting into one of my big problems with the episode, less about the premise and the fact that now we're finding out that Pike on the Rigel seven mission was one of the most incompetent officers ever to beam down to a planet. Because not only did he lose three people, which that was, you know, that was, you know, an attacks happened. That's, but apparently they left a shitload of equipment behind and totally panicked when the attack happened and didn't go back to get their stuff and went, oh, we got our asses kicked. Let's go back to Starbase. Um, and, and I, you know, again, I have trouble with them doing that with Pike because he's supposed to be a Starfleet, you know, a starship captain and they're supposed, they've established. And I know, I know we're, I don't want to get into the canon discussion, but they've established through all of Star Trek that it takes a special kind of person with a special mentality to be a starship captain. And they are not someone who panics at the drop of a hat and forgets general order freaking number one <laughs> because somebody threw some axes at you. And and that, that that the level of incompetence this episode needs to work bothers me for it to be Pike. The the only thing that maybe gives some justification, and I'm not saying you're wrong, Rick, but he did mention the fact that Spock was also uh, part of the landing party and he was in danger of bleeding out. So they really had to, you know, get the F out of there quickly for the sake of the health of the rest of the landing party. I'm not saying that 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 whitewashes what what you say what you're saying is is 100 correct but I, I think that that's how they tried to make a nod to it and and i get that it just it just didn't work for me fair enough mm. uh so king zach decides that he's going to uh send them all outside and allow them to uh lose their memories as happens with everyone outside of the palace uh let them forget who they are and just, you know, rot away and die not knowing who they are because he feels that that's going to be appropriate revenge. They're sent out into a cage. Huh? Get it? Call, call back. Uh, get, get, get it? They're sent, out to, they're sent out to a cage. They begin to lose their memories. And uh, they, I think we go to a to a commercial break. And then we come back the next morning and they have completely forgotten who they are where they are or what they're all about and this is where we are introduced to luke the kindly helpful person that spoilers remains a kind helpful person throughout the entire episode and never uh, re is revealed to be some kind of a bad guy i thought that was refreshing except he remembers an awful lot of shit for someone who can't remember anything 
He has his totem. <laughs> he, he has crib notes on his arm. Yeah, he he's got his memento tattoos and he's yeah, got he's, his totem. He's, so rocking memento style. And I think I can grant them a little bit of headcanon in that, you know, for people who who have totems, who have a little like written history, you wake up and, and you read it and it reminds you this is how things work. So it's cool that you don't remember. Do that enough times, day in, day out, for years, then you start to, you know, that becomes one of those like ingrained things that you you just know. You wake up and you know, oh, that's right. I don't have any memories and that's normal. And I'm going to go and do the work because yes. the people in the palace remember things. They, I, I don't know if they come out and explicitly say, oh no, I know this is what's happening because it's been going on for so long that I, I remember this on its own. But it seemed like a simple enough leap to me. It just seemed to me like he had an awful lot of information for somebody who should have very, very little. The memory, lo- uh, the memory loss was very plot specific. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. You should I, remember these things, except when you don't. You yeah. shouldn't forget these things, except that you do. Like mm-hmm. it just, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It, it, it was actually, also. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in because I actually need to go in like the next five ten minutes. Uh, so I'm going to say the one thing that, well, the main thing that kind of bothered me, um, along these same lines, uh, once they figure out up on the ship, because it's happening to people on the ship too, not to, sorry, skip ahead, Scott. It's happening to people on the ship too, and Scott, Spock, same difference really. Uh, it's like, you know what, I'm going to give everybody their, uh, their crew, like, manifest or whatever, like, this is your record, this is what you do, this is who you are, uh, which is how Ortega knows that she is Ortega and she flies the ship. Um, but, so, Spock loses his memory, and he's like, I feel like my memory's on this pad, but I can't read it. How is reading not a an ingrained ability like walking and talking? So, my headcanon says, the pads are in English or common or whatever they call it in Starfleet. <laughs> but he, his childhood, he grew up learning Vulcan. So yeah, since that's, the pad's not in Vulcan, he can't read it. But that's that's what I thought. And I, I went right there with you, John. But but then it didn't look like Ortegas knew how to read either. No. Maybe she is Spanish. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but Luke but, but can you know read what the, the, the totem. Ortega didn't really try. Because I was, I was watching, because yeah. she didn't look at the pad. Because he's right. like, I think this is my right. thing, but I can't read it. And she's like, okay, well, she 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 never tried to read it. She just like, mm-hmm. I, I gotta get out of here. But she can do a barrel roll with phasers running. Yes. Mm-hmm. She got, well, you know what? You play enough video games, you don't have to look at the screen anymore. <laughs> That's how it works. And yeah, while that was an awesome scene, no, sorry, I'm going to be of- that guy. Phasers aren't operated from her console. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, they weren't. Yes, they are. No, they're not. Sulu, Sulu always fired phasers. Yeah. Oh, no, Chekhov fired phasers. No, no, Sulu fired phasers. Sulu fired phasers. Chekhov right. didn't do That's it. That's my time, movies. gentlemen. <laughs> 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 it's been a pleasure. Love you all. John, do you want to share with the people where they can find you on the internet before you take off? Captain uh, Game Show, Trivia Word Play Podcast on the Infinite Potato Alliance Network. Outstanding. Pieces. Bye, John. 
Take care, dude. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now I four. believe it's I believe it's only fitting that we take ten minutes to talk about something entirely unconnected with the episode. So John has to cut it all out. <laughs> who's who's John? Who are you? <laughs> nice. Um, all right. Well, so we John... can really drive him nuts with all the the memory loss quotes. <laughs> uh, John did bring up a good point, though. Um, there is uh, action and intrigue happening up on the ship as well. Um, and without a synopsis in front of me, I can't remember. Uh, which onboard scenes happen when and when we cut back and forth. The first so, one, the first indication was Uhura at her station. Yeah. And um, she was supposed to be sending a message and she had the t- tinnitus. I always said tinnitus, so I'll say tinnitus like it, you did. It's guys. tinnitus. I, okay. Yeah, trust me on that. <laughs> tinnitus, tinnitus. Let's call the whole thing off. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was that. And then she went to sick bay, and that's when Chapel diagnosed her with, you know, every single neural pathway breaking down somehow. And uh, that it was going to, um, if, as long as we keep her, as long as we keep her isolated, it, it should be okay. But then Spock calls and says, there are five people in engineering suffering from debilitating memory loss. I sent them to you. And then it becomes evident that it's become like a ship-wide thing. And they say, I, Spock said, I estimate that in under an hour, we won't even be able to cover vital systems. Because Chapel's the only medical personnel on the ship <laughs> Where was Boyce? They should have brought Boyce back. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for an episode where where the Enterprise has to go and rescue their former chief medical officer, Doctor Boyce. He'll be on some planet somewhere. <laughs> we could get Doctor Piper in. That's a guy that don't need rescuing. Let me tell you, <laughs> Boyce and has got they, it figured they, out. Boyce is the end game, man. <laughs> I think that they will. Um, if they decide to do an episode about that, they will, uh, to appease the fans, they will cast Jeffrey Coombs as uh, as Dr. Boyce. I would so love that. That yeah. that would totally make up for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you, you're right. It is kind of odd that uh, Chapel is the apparently only member of medical staff, but we don't spend a whole lot of time in sick bay because we're moving on to other areas of the ship. Uh, Spock, number one, and uh, Chapel are discussing the situation, what to do next. Chapel decides that Una has to go to sickbay, and Spock goes to the bridge, and the first thing he says is, and we're probably doing some of this out of order, but I think that matters very little. Who's going to remember? There it is again. (laughs) Spock gets to the bridge, and the first thing he says is he tells uh, Erica that they need to break orbit and make for the asteroid field. And this is where it is revealed uh, very, very clearly that it's not just Pike that that Erica feels comfortable sassing to. Because your commanding officer just walked onto the bridge and told you to set a course for these asteroids, and you tell them bluntly that's a terrible idea? Yeah, I, I, again, it's gone from annoying to just downright ridiculous. You're making me actively hate this character now. You're in a life and death situation. Your commander gets on the bridge and says, plot a course that could save us. Oh, that's a dumb f***ing idea. It's like, what? How about I, sir? You know? It's like, God damn it. What is the D? I, 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 rant over. We all know how I feel about this. 
breathe. And and so, so now that Chris has gotten that out of his system, um, don't worry because she doubles down and she mm-hmm. she gives uh, a second bit of sass after that. Yep. Because she says it's a terrible idea, and then he explains his reasoning for it, and then says if we go there, it might shield us from the radiation. She says before or after the asteroids pulverize us. Is it? Just set the damn course. And isn't that what you're for? That that's why they left you. If they pulverize us, it's your freaking fault. <laughs> but Do your okay. In 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 Erica's defense, I you know you know that I it's agree. Indefensible. About, is she's already starting to lose her memory? Mm-mm. No, that's one hundred percent Erica. I think it it is one hundred percent Erica. But just like Pike beating the absolute shit out of Zach when he didn't remember he was who he was. This is her baser self coming out. Pike was he had he had three days of forgetting at that point. I I think that you are just trying to justify a really, really shitty writing choice. Yeah, I, no, I can, I, I, I can no, see where I, Rick is coming from though, because it No, what I say goes. <laughs> we, we, have, we have to keep in mind that yes, there is memory loss, but before the memory loss, there was the kind, kind of a brain fog and there Anxiety was Anxiety and, and anger was was a part one of the symptoms, and she was already pissed at Spock. Not but necessarily she justifiably she not, so. She did not seem anxious at all. She seemed like she was just chilling at her console. He said, set a course, and she said, that's a really bad idea. There was no external stimuli. There was nothing to make her just just turn around and basically negate a direct order from her superior. It's just who the character is. I I, I see where you're coming from, and I I, I see you. <laughs> I see you. I see you. And I was just um, I was joking when I had my, I, I, that was my Janice Lester coming out. No, I'm the captain. <laughs> I I I didn't find it to be out of character. Uh, I mean, you know that I agree with you that sometimes she just needs to shut up and do it. Um, but I, I thought that this was a result of, of, the, of the, the, the illness. However you can sleep at night, brother. <laughs> I don't sleep at night. That's part of the problem. <laughs> Tom, what do you think? Well, I, I think she had, I was just going to point out that there was some additional sass uh, earlier during Uhura's um, you know, coming to from her, her memory loss. He heard Ortega say, you know, are you going to marry that that debris field? Which was such a stupid comment in the first place. But again, it's just another example of that sass. I mean, overall, I like the character. If this was supposed to be her big episode, I think it was a waste. But yeah, the sass is really is, but... annoying. Well, the thing is, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm so self-conscious about this particular sentence <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyway haven't you ever been in a situation where you were very excited about something and you were you were like it was something you really wanted and you thought you had it and then somebody snatched it away and then you were kind of pissy for the next couple of days and I'm she's sure, already yeah, pissy hmm? yeah yeah so it, I didn't. I didn't find it. It's as, happened to me when I'm in a, when I'm in a bad mood. But I keep in mind the fact that if the thing that caused me not to have that thing that I wanted was out of everyone's control, I don't take it out on the people who's who, who have no fault in it. Yeah. But she, that, but he's not the person doing. who had no fault in it. She's pissed at Spock. She blames him because she was all excited about going on the on the away mission. Sorry, landing party, um, and then 
you know, logically, you know, emotions aren't logical. And we've seen that Ortegas is not always the most the most rational head on the bridge. You know, she's pissed at Spock for pointing out that she needed to stay on the ship for a stupid reason, because apparently the Enterprise has one pilot. Uh, <laughs> which, one good pilot. You know, in a, in a three or four shift situation, you've got one person who can steer around a rock. I, I, As she announced to herself on her personal log, which is only for her, <laughs> I'm Erica Ortegas. I fly, I the, fly ship. the ship. <laughs> but today I'm getting to go outside. Yay. <laughs> and again, this is my problem with this episode. It's I, I, I still think Ortegas is a is a redeemable character, but they keep writing her into these stupid corners. Mm. That I I totally agree. I, I do not think that she is irredeemable. I think at times a little bit uh, I, insufferable might be too strong a word, but it's getting close. Uh, but I, I still think, I assume, and believe that when we get to an episode that is strongly Erica-focused, they that will be their opportunity for a little character rehabilitation, and um, I, I expect that they'll they'll be able to pull it off. They just have to... I look forward to know. that. I look forward to that. I don't think the character is irredeemable. I think that they just have her hit the same notes because maybe they don't know what to do with her. I mean, there's a reason there was a triumvirate on the original Trek, and then the rest of the ensemble was a lot of supporting stuff. In this, they're trying to make mm -hmm. a true ensemble like, like a DS9, but I don't know if they have the chops for it, quite honestly. I think you need to bring like a Ron Moore or an Irish Stephen Bear back on just to show them <laughs> how to sprinkle this stuff out. Plus, they don't have 26 episodes to wend this stuff in. Yeah. You know, it's a much different mm. TV environment now, so it makes it doubly difficult to do an ensemble show because you just don't have the breathing space you used to. And and the fact right. that Kristen or Kirsten Beyer? Kirsten. Kirsten Beyer wrote, was one of the co-writers on this really disappoints me because she normally does much better work than this we've seen she wrote all she's written a lot of stuff in in the new trek series and mm -hmm. i think this is i think the writing in this is just piss poor <laughs> well speaking of piss poor I, I don't know if this next if this next scene is uh is poor writing but we're going to go back down to the planet where we meet up with our landing party at the stone quarry because Luke has told them, based on your clothing, this these are the jobs you do. Come with me. We're going to get some food, and we're going to do this work. And we see Pike sledgehammering a big-ass rock. <laughs> He's like John Rambo at the beginning of First Blood. <laughs> He's yeah. making little rocks out of big rocks. It's the greatest. <laughs> and we see, it I'm sorry. Well. That, it was at the beginning of First Blood. Uh, beginning of Rambo, right? Not for Because... He, he had been arrested in First Blood at the end of First Blood. So right, right. I, screw, I screwed up my Rambo reference, but but the point is made. <laughs> uh, and we also see uh, La'an moving as though she's never swung a hammer in her life. Uh, and Pike cannot get over the fact that this doesn't feel right. He, he, he doesn't think he's supposed to be here. And he points out uh, for the first of, of multiple times that he doesn't have the hands of a of a laborer and they don't have tattoos on their arms to tell them their story uh so they begin to suspect and you know, luke and the rest of them suspect maybe we came from the palace maybe we had memories and now we don't we should probably try to you know get out of here and figure out what's going on uh, we realize that pike still remembers what it is around 
of his neck, the um, Opelian Mariner's Keystone. Uh, and we start to think, oh, maybe he's in love with Captain Patel. That's that's very sweet. Uh, then Pike uh, tries to incite a riot, and he starts fighting one of the guards. Uh, La'an fights the second guard. She gets her uh, her midsection a little little slicey slice. Uh, Mbanga remembers some of his medical training, tends to her, and now they have to, you know, haul ass out of there before more guards show up. Um, anything about this particular scene that you guys wanted to comment on? I, I said, oh, finally, this is this is how they're going to justify bringing Mbenga aside from like a security guard because the plot needed it for the third act twist. Oh, okay. Okay. I get it. You know, so um, it was, it was probably the most TOS scene of this episode when they go into Luke's palatial hut. (laughs) And it was, it was very reminiscent of a private little war when they bring Kirk into Tyree's hut and it's, you know, there's a fire in the middle of it and, and, McCoy puts him down and puts blankets over him and stuff. It was it, it was it was very homagey. <laughs> Not a Mugato in sight though. Not unfortunately. A in sight, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's also one of the great blooper scenes in the in the TOS blooper reel. When uh, they bring Kirk in and they put him down and they throw all the, the, the furs on him and McCoy goes over and it's hard to see because the, the, the film quality is crappy, but he's got an arrow sticking out of him and, and McCoy yanks the arrow out and goes damn Indians and walks off. No. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the, I mean it's it's funny just because it's silly but also DeForest Kelly was big in westerns before he was on Star Trek and he always played the bad guy in the westerns mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> so after the uh, the attempted uprising Luke takes our landing party um, out of the quarry and back to his hut uh, where they tend to La'an further and they start trying to hatch a plan for how they're going to save her and Luke says, no, don't do that just just, just let her be peaceful and then she'll die and then you're going to forget about her and it's all going to be cool because it won't bother you so much because you won't remember that you, you let her die uh, there's a lot of back and forth about the about the idea of giving in to the forgetting and then Pike is able to yes quickly turn Luke around on helping them but I think that they included a a, a, a solid explanation for why Luke was so willing to change his mind as quickly as he did uh, the dialogue between him and Pike was I thought in this scene uh, sharp and effective in in justifying that that quick turnaround i liked i liked that too that was one of the few few things i liked about the episode um and that that, the actor i looked i looked him up before we got on mic and i completely forgot because he i kept saying he looks so familiar but he's not in anything i've ever seen but he was terrific i mean Mm -hmm. he was he was he was just fantastic in this episode yeah i I was impressed i from the moment he showed up i liked him i thought for a second is that gail from breaking bad but no it's not gail from breaking bad at first you know and i was thinking is that no because i've seen robbie robbie duncan mcneil because he had sort of a paris quality about him like if 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 mcneil was another 20 years older i think Mm. yeah anyway (laughs) i i enjoyed his character and i 
uh, I liked how they wrote him uh, turning his position around and supporting Pike because this was Pike's moment. He was driven by his emotions and he was convincing. So he says, I'm going to help you out. And yeah, I guess if, if you have no memories, you have no real strong convictions about anything except maybe to let people die and you're going to forget anyway. So, hey, if this goes <laughs> sideways, I'm going to forget anyway. So, yeah, I'll what help you hell? guys. By tomorrow, I'll forget that I helped you. Yeah. And if, if it benefits you guys, then, hey, why not? It's I, it's not like I have anything planned for tonight. And tomorrow, <laughs> I'll have forgotten the night. Okay. So they once again track their way back to the ah, Kalar Palace. Uh-huh. It's an actual word. I don't know what, what you want from me. It, <laughs> it gets used. Um, they make They're their way back. Never mind. <laughs> they leave La'an by a rock with Luke to watch over her. Pike and she's and- dying. She's bleeding out. And then they have a 20-minute discussion. Did and you that notice that? that? That New Trek has been doing <laughs> since the beginning. We have 30 seconds to escape. But let's have a nice long talk first. <laughs> I'm sorry it, if I stole your thunder there, Scott. <laughs> it, it is a conversation they probably could have had while they were walking. Yeah. But the castle's no, gonna... way the F over there, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep if you're gonna if you're gonna talk, keep on walking a little bit while you're doing it. Um so Pike and Mbanga head towards the palace. Uh Joseph takes a minute to just kick the living crap out of one of those guards and does it uh, very very effectively and impressively without the um, juice without the juice uh, he gets shot in the leg Pike hits a guy with a rifle and then he decides he's going to go in by himself and here's where we get to the big action set piece of the episode pew 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 pew, Pike pew, pew. Making, yep Pike making his, his rifle raid on the inside of the palace takes out some guards and then he's in a shootout with uh, with King Zack, uh, which gave us possibly the most badass Pike moment that we've gotten so far in the series. As he walks around the table, picks up a platter, and just swats away a phaser rifle blast with that platter like it don't mean shit. Yeah, it's like it's like the like it's it's bouncing off of the platter. You can hear it go Ding! like, huh? What's the <laughs> physics here? What? Yeah, the, the the physics may not make sense, but. It was a, it was a pretty cool shit. And he's not like holding it like a shield. He just has it dangling in his hand, yeah. you know, and yeah, just just letting it hang. The second shot does knock it out of his hands, but the first one, he just sweeps a, a phaser bolt aside, and looks pretty awesome. I, I didn't know the phaser bolts could ricochet. I didn't know that you could also like move to deflect something that's literally moving at the speed of light, and you should not even be able to see it until you know after it hits you. You can say, oh, that's where that went. But that's phasers for you, you know. Yeah, th- this this is this this is the modern era of phasers on television, where it's you know discrete bolts that come at you individually, but that, and that, not that, a that solid harkens, beam. That, that harkens back to Enterprise. Um, ENT had the, the the phaser pistols like that as well. But they they fired they fired beams though. No, no, they had just like 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 the Han Solo shot, pew pew. Yeah, it was yeah, literally the, pew, the phase pew. pistols were they fired yeah. distinct distinct discrete packets of energy yeah but uh it's uh, until you get to like phaser one phaser two in in tos and they show them in disco has them you know where i think that they have the continuous stream Mm -hmm. maybe it's 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 the jj thing abrams gave all of it because he wanted a gunfight as opposed to the beams and now we've got to 
and I, uh, I've, I've, I don't want this to sound like sour grapes, but we've got enough Trek fans who were brought in from the the the, the JJ movies that there is a a an underlying theme of trying to kind of bridge the two. And one of the things we've had since Trek came back was the pew pew as opposed to the, the, the phaser beams. That's my phaser. <laughs> I, I, I see where you're coming from with that. And it, it could quite possibly be that. I think it's also possible that it's just the, the, the modern sci-fi sensibility that overall, not just with Trek, but with, with sci-fi across the board, we're going to make them uh, more closely resemble modern weapons where they're sending rounds instead of laser beams because it's easier to, to create uh, an exciting uh, action set piece if you're still sticking with uh, some, some pre-established tropes like you know, rounds. Mm. Yeah, I feel like it gives it a, a subtly grittier feel. And this show is all about, you know, way too much Aztecing and texture on everything. So um, it, I, I, it fits in with the aesthetic that they built for the new Trek, I believe, because, mm -hmm. man, that Enterprise sure looks chunky compared to the original, you know, 1701 which looked like it could have had a skin that was grown almost organically because there was just no seam anywhere. So I, I, I like them both, but uh, I, I can see where the, the phase pistol fits in better with the overall feel of the series. I'd love them to, you know, to get like an old school phaser one, or I guess graduate up to uh, like a phaser one where it's just in the palm of your hand, you know, and, and get away from like the more militaristic martial aspect of it. Well, apparently, when you know the the six of them beamed down to Rigel Seven, originally they brought, you know, cases of phasers with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They came to armed to the teeth for an initial investigation. So, because <laughs> I certainly didn't see any indication that they were manufacturing them. And that right. would have annoyed me as well because yeah. you're in a bronze. They say it's a bronze age society. You know, there's no way you're going to have any kind of. Even if you wanted to, there's you, you unless they have some kind of portable replicator. But that technology doesn't exist in 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 the timeline yet. Yeah. I don't know if it ever existed. Is there such a thing in in TNG era as a portable replicator? Yeah. Well, port not not portable as in you can just carry it around, but. They've, they've got some some smaller ones we know they have large scale ones but that was that that that's a branch of conversation that will be cut out of this episode if we pursue it um pike continues his his firefight with king zach um he eventually disarms him and just beats the tar out of him hits him with the butt of the rifle once or twice punches him in the face several times and demands his memories and this is another what i thought an impressive performance from uh, from Anson Mount, where he's letting this, it's not necessarily Pike's rage. It's the, the rage of this blank slate who doesn't truly know who he is and wants to know. Sh shouting at King Zag, I, um, I want my memories. I, I thought his performance in this scene was great. Um, especially up against, uh, the actor playing Zach, who, I can't say they did a bad job, but 
not he's not going to be very memorable as an episodic uh, track antagonist. They're, My wife just brought up a, a point. She heard me talking about how many phasers and stuff, and we mentioned that before. She mm-hmm. and and I I I don't recall this, but also like I said, I only watched it one time. She thought they said that the original mission to Rigel Seven was they went down on a shuttle and the shuttle crashed. So that might explain them having all of that gear. Well, I mean, the only thing that Zach had was a crate. So you think yeah. there would be some kind of shuttle remnants or something? Yeah, I, I, I don't recall. Maybe there is and maybe there isn't, but it's my, still my just wife is a lot better sense. at paying attention to details than I am. So just if, if it was a shuttle crash where the shuttle was able to launch again, and it was just a rescue mission to get the get those who crashed, get the down shuttle, and get everything back up off the surface, and they lost track of a crate of stuff. And that crate happened to have several rifles and some medical supplies and, and cool stuff like that. Uh, some vaccines, I noticed. So once again, Trek is going woke because they got a crate of vaccines in their crate. <laughs> yeah, because vaccines is such a radical concept in the 21st century. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and apparently the 24th <laughs> actually they're in the 23rd at that point right mm. so yeah so it, it is at this point that we discover that all it will take to restore their memories is to stay inside the palace for about what 10 minutes, minutes? <laughs> or you 10? can wear one of those snazzy helmets mm-hmm. because radiation only affects you from above <laughs> right Yep. In foil hats. That's right. There you go. And they were kind of triangle shaped, right? Pyramid shaped. (laughs) So just stay inside for a minute and then all your memories will come back. But Uh, first beat the living crap out of the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Beat the hell out out of the king. And then your memories come back and then you take a moment and you say, okay, I'm sorry we left you behind i was really sad when you died but now you're not dead uh but, but everything that cool. happened after you got left here that ain't my fault so oh, that's, that's on you that's why he exiled them though because he said that right in the beginning he said I, I crashed here and i made myself king there's no coming back from this mm-hmm. you know you go outside you forget <laughs> about me yeah yeah uh, so, so zach's uh zach changing his mind Again, very sudden, but there was no convincing bit of dialogue to to make that flow the way it did with Luke. Pike says to him, what you did after you got left here, that was not my fault, and I'm not going to take the blame for it. And Zach immediately says, you're right, so now what? That... (laughs) That tells me, oh, we're run, we're running out of uh, time in the episode. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta wrap this shit up. Um, so yeah, Zach, Zach says, now what? Uh, and this is after Zach is laughing his face off that that Pike's crew member is gonna die, and and Pike doesn't have his memories. Ha 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 ha. Pike lifts up the phaser rifle and points it at him. <laughs> Immediately, I take it back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, and then Pike narratively again, it's convenient for the most dramatic moments. It's about to pull the trigger. Oh, here come my memories flooding back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but because of course that's how it would work in real life. Just yeah. like you always finish a sentence and then the calm chimes. That's how mm-hmm. it works in real life. Right. And the calm down always stops on one. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it Gotta was, go through the chompers. Um, I I liked the buildup in this in this final scene, this the, this climax, but the resolution of it was very very quick, and I didn't appreciate it. They they tried. I liked the ingredients that they were trying to use, but they didn't let that that final conclusion uh, cook long enough. Well, I think if you if you look at Star Trek's past, um, especially TOS. The I'm thinking I'm thinking of two episodes where we dealt with cultural contamination and the violation of no three 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 sir um, episodes where somebody violated the prime directive and changed the culture of a planet. We had um, can the I oceans them? in a piece so, of the action, the Omega Glory, and Breaking oh four Circuses. okay. Omega Glory. I, I wasn't thinking about that one. Um, so we had a piece of the action, which granted was a, was a, supposed to be comedic. We never did see the. Uh, no, there were five. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the Return of the Archons, um, but we never we never saw the crews that contaminated the planets in in uh, piece of the action or Return of the Archons. But Bread and Circuses, we did meet Captain Merrick. And he was a total waste of skin. Yeah, you know? but but in Omega Glory, we did get uh, Captain Ron Tracy. Tracy was, but he was also freaking nuts too. Um, and then and then we had uh, uh, Patterns of Force, where a historian took the very wrongest message from Nazi Germany, and changed a whole planet into Nazis. And so what we've seen in the past is that, and, and they're kind of keeping up with this, is that the people who have totally messed up entire planetary cultures were some of the weakest wastes of skin ever to get onto a starship. And I don't think Zach is all that different because he was like, oh, well, I'm left here. I'm God now. <laughs> but Zach wasn't a captain. No, he was he was that that uh, you know he was, he was space man. butler. He was space butler yeah. Zach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. I, I I think again it's just if you want to have uh, a reason to use the old wardrobe that's on hand so you can save money, you turn it into Nazi planet, <laughs> or yeah. you turn it into a uh, gladiator planet or whatever. So I mean, at, at least this didn't have have that. What what I did like about this. Um, that matte painting in the cage of of Rigel Seven, mm -hmm. to me, is very iconic because I had a Star Trek calendar, where that was one of the pictures. So I looked at it like every day for a month. The castle yeah. with the giant moon, mm -hmm. and if you were looking, they did an amazing, an amazing homage to that. In oh yeah, this. It was it was much more subtle, but it was it was really kick ass. It was yeah. really great. So hats off for that. I mean, mm -hmm. they they gave you a, a good updated visual continuity, even though you know the sky in 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 the cage was you know pristine blue there was no radiation or asteroid debris or anything like that so but they they kind of met you know met it in the middle they, they had they had it their way and they had it the old way so mm -hmm. and i like are, are are we at the end yet or um yeah the, the only thing left af after this scene is uh, everyone shows up back on the ship everyone is fine uh, wounds have been healed, memories have been restored, shields have been uh, modified to 
block out the memory wiping radiation and one last violation of the prime directive before we get to pike trying to make up with his girlfriend mm. i i liked the fact that pike was like look this situation is so fucked up <laughs> get that asteroid out of there what else are they going to do they can only prosecute me once for this crime <laughs> I felt that that was, um, didn't we see that in, in Disco where they threw an asteroid at somebody? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. yeah well, yeah, they, threw so. a, they threw it. Yeah. No, it was in Picard. Riker did it. And Picard, yeah. They had, but it was it was like a bunch of asteroids, wasn't well, it? He, no, he didn't throw an asteroid. He threw the ship. No, no, no. But I, I feel like we've seen something. Maybe it was in Disco where they, they dragged a whole asteroid field. Or maybe I'm thinking one of the books. Galaxy um, Quest. Galaxy Quest? The mines. mines. No, um, no, the no mines. In, 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 in the early episodes of Picard, uh, uh, oh, God, Amanda Plummer's character threw, yeah, 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 I know. threw I know an asteroid at the that's, Enterprise. That's, yeah, that's not what I'm thinking of. Oh, this, okay. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, but I, so it's, we, we've seen that it can be done. But I, I really like that scene between uh, Pike and uh, the other captain of the Cayuga because, and I forget her name, but... Um, Battelle? But, no. Yeah, Battelle. Was I it Battelle? Think, yeah, Captain Battelle. Yeah. Battelle. It was almost like, again, I was so glad I had watched the cage or the bits of the cage that were re relevant because it's almost like sort of the maturation of the character after so long. It was like a payoff from that scene way back from the 60s. It, yeah. was, it was like true character growth that we were seeing there. So I, I liked that aspect of it as well. Chris is a professional. He, he goes way back. I mean, he's getting all the backstory in there. So. Well, I really wanted to see how or if they were even going to bother try trying uh, to, to jive it with what we saw of Rigel 7. Granted, we're talking about maybe five minutes of footage. I think including that's generous. the cabin scene. Much, yeah. No, well, the fight scene is pretty long. But it's but it's also that scene was the Talosians recreating it. Yeah, so no, no, there's I a lot of room that, for wiggle on that, and it's also that, the greatest scene in all of Trek because you have Vina making that amazing face before she runs towards the castle. Which, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> which is yes. which is maybe the greatest thing I've ever seen. Every time I see it, I just crack up laughing. I can't, that's, and as we all are, <laughs> you know, that's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also why I don't get all bent out of shape by the fact that in in the cage, the Kalar is like eight feet tall, and he's got like like werewolf teeth and stuff and he growls a lot yeah and it, and it because it like a bear <laughs> that scene you know was the talosians recreating it from pike's memory and that's perfectly you know believable for if you're remembering a traumatic situation things get bigger and scarier well i was thinking that that's maybe why the why why the uh what did they call them? They're not the Regilians, Rigel Seven, but they had a name the for the the Kalar. I thought that maybe the the, and again, I was just thinking about the other episode. I didn't think it was going to be a memory thing. I thought it was going to just generally make you into more brutish, 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 and that's why he was up against like this growling beast in the 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 thing that we'd saw in the cage. I thought that maybe it, something about the radiation is what caused them to be so vicious. And uh, that would have been a way to go, but where do well, you go did, from there? You know? I don't remember because I didn't watch it a second time. Did they establish that the asteroid crashed into the planet after they visited? Mm, I don't think oh, so. It was, it was, it was like, years ago. Yeah, thousands yeah. of years 
previous. Then yeah. why is this memory loss thing a brand new thing to them if they were on the planet for more than an hour? Exactly. They, because show. Yeah. The, Spock does point out that the the length of the mission previously was only only four hours. And yet it seems like the memory loss sets in quickly, but I think the memory loss started like the moment they got into orbit. So yeah, uh, and, but maybe we, that explains why they they forgot all of those damn phasers. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. They they did try to throw in a mention that the original mission was so short that the memory loss didn't have time to take hold. Whereas this time they've oh, been did they been longer. Okay. It had more time to cook, yeah. so it, it was having an effect on them now because they were there longer than before. That was just okay. more stupid. <laughs> it was sorry. It it was very quick. It's one of those you know, blinking, you miss it, bits of dialogue, but it's it's them trying to uh, work in some explanations to get ahead of the people who are going to complain about it. Like me, and it didn't. <laughs> so that takes us to the end of the episode, where once again, Erica makes an announcement to her personal log. I'm Erica Ortegas, and I fly the ship. Just in case you didn't already know personal log. <laughs> Well, okay. Uh, there, there was one scene that I thought was cool. Was when Erica fled the bridge, and she goes down to deck six. Which, thank you, writers, for being aware of the the layout of the Enterprise. The officers' quarters are on deck six. I'm, I yes, I am that much of a nerd. Is Erica um, an officer? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, that's something that really bugs me. Is everybody assumes everyone on the Enterprise is an officer? And yeah, oh, okay, and that's why I asked. Yeah, so no, I, I knew you would know the difference. But everyone anyway. from ensign up is an officer, and okay. then you get crewmen are there's, gotcha. there's you know various ranks of crewmen below that. I didn't know where um, officer began. It's, thank it's you. with ensign. Thank ensign. you for schooling me, sir. Yeah, ensign. So so Wesley JG Lieutenant Wesley is an officer. Anyway, well he's acting ensign. He was acting ensign. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> um, so Ortegas, please, she, she goes, take me home. And so it takes her to deck six. And I love how at, we see uh, uh, Chapel just sort of walks up to Ortegas and you think there's going to be some recognition. And then she just kind of just zombies away. It <laughs> turns to like a, a 90 degree turn and wanders off. W was the, anybody the else status? getting... Go you you first. I'm sorry. Scott. The saddest sight that anyone can see: complete lack of recognition on Jess Bush's face before turning and walking away from you. Yeah. The <laughs> so Rick, anyway. There can be. Rick, Rick wakes up in a cold sweat, having that dream. Uh, I got a very um, naked naked time. Yeah, vibe very from so, from yeah. that scene. But how fuzzy is the logic on that computer, and how smart is the computer of the Enterprise, where it can take Erica's voice and respond to her directly on an overhead comm, and show her specifically the way when there must be a million people like gibbering and jabbering and asking, "Where am I? Who am I? Is, are they all having separate conversations with the computer, or is again, it's just narratively convenient, you know?" Yeah. And it's just that that took me out of it a bit. I'm like, "How is this working?" Well, and then and then you know, she's the, you have the I'm Erica Ortegas and I fly the ship. Yes, you remember how to talk. You remember how to how to breathe and eat and stuff like that. But flying the ship is a lot more than just muscle memory. And so I, I 
I almost bought it when she went up there and started flying, but it was kind of like how in TOS, a lot of times Kirk would be the last one to pass out from whatever was knocking out the whole crew. You know, there's always going to be that one superhuman in the bunch who, mm-hmm. who is less affected and saves the day. And I, I, I appreciate that it was Eric. I, I was kind of expecting them to have Spock go, this ain't bothering me, but they got him too. Um, but it just, it just felt so contrived is my problem with this whole episode. Yeah. Yeah. She needed, she needed to fly. So therefore she remembered how to fly. Yeah. The memory loss was specific to the plot. Yeah. Kind of like, and I mean, we mentioned TNG conundrum, you know, where at least that time they still remembered all their skills and training just. Because that's the way the, the memory loss thing was designed. So yeah. You know, it was a weapon mm-hmm. as opposed to just. <laughs> so it, in in this episode, what they were trying to say, and I, yeah, I have to agree with you, Rick. It, it is rather contrived, but what they were trying to say was, Erica is so good at flying that her piloting skills are so ingrained that it's impossible for her to forget them. Sure. Whereas, uh, um, you know, Mbanga and Chapel can remember some of their medical training, the things they've done a thousand times, the simple stuff. All of flying is simple to Erica because she's that good. I, I'm i not saying that it's a great explanation, but again, as has happened multiple times in this episode, it's an explanation. It's mm-hmm. better than yeah. nothing. They tried. It may not make the perfect sense, but it makes enough sense to move the scene to the next scene. Yeah, and that's been, that's my others. problem with this whole episode is they set up the situation and then they go except here <laughs> and not quite this and almost that and it was I found it annoying. It's it's dramatic. We're su- we're supposed to say wow that's really impressive. She is so good that that her her piloting skills are ingrained in her. It's a part of her. It's inextricable from her. It was supposed to be impressive, but it didn't quite land because it was also very, it was too convenient to be impressive. What she was made to do, and the rest of the people just didn't find their purpose, what they were made to do. So, Mm -hmm. you know, but I did, I did, (laughs) I appreciated it for, and I can't believe I can't remember the actor's name who plays Erica. Um, Melissa Navia. Thank you. Uh, you know, that had to be a blast for her. But I just don't know that it worked for everybody else. For me, right. anyway. It, I'm sure that was probably hit or miss for for a lot of viewers. But we'll see if they if they can do better with uh, future Erica-centric episodes. I will say so- I love 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 the strange new worlds version of the shuttlecraft that yeah, is they a look, sweet looking ship they, they look pretty nice and it's a good homage to the original exactly mm-hmm. yeah, although it, i bet you could walk up to it and fit inside it you know going inside, yeah. <laughs> or outside to inside <laughs> what tom's talking about folks is the eight okay the story of the original shuttlecraft, if, if you know your, your Star Trek history, in season one, they didn't have a shuttlecraft, which is why we had Wolf in the Fold, or uh, not Wolf in the Fold, uh, Turnabout Intruder. No, 
enemy within. God damn it. Jesus. Enemy within. Um, <laughs> enemy within. And Sulu is trapped on the planet, on a planet and freezing to death. And they're all like, just send a shuttlecraft down, but they didn't have one. So AMT, the model company, made a pitch to Roddenberry, said, we will build you a shuttlecraft if you give us the exclusive rights to the, the Starship models for Star Trek, which they did. And they built the, the shooting model of the Galileo. And they also built a, a quote unquote full scale <laughs> shuttle, which is now in Texas. Um, that's a long story that's really worth looking up. I'm not gonna go into it here. Um, but it was three quarter scale. So nobody could stand up inside it. But they also, you know, the interior shots were on the sound stage. Um, so, and it, it was, it, you, you couldn't tell unless you knew. Like whenever you saw Spock get into the thing, he never could stand all the way up. But it was, it was three quarters scale as opposed to full size. And there you go. There you go. And, and that's so then no, Captain the rest. So then Captain Battelle shows up in in Pike's quarters, and he makes his big apology speech, explains how it was her gift that helped uh, get him back home, and that was important. And he was being an ass, and he asked her to forgive him. And made a speech about how, you know, captains are uh, are a rare breed, and it's hard to understand what it's like being cap being a captain. And both of them are, so they get it. So, um, please, can I unbreak up with you? And, and it works. <laughs> yeah, we'll just we'll just say it works. We get a classic. <laughs> camera out the window pan away Chris. we find out that pike's quarters are right on the front of the ship yeah yeah he gets a he, he gets some 10 forward quarters yeah basically he's 10 forward yeah. Yeah. <laughs> six forward i guess in this case <laughs> yeah. and, and that's the end of the episode so there we are we've come to the end um so we still have a captain who is in a relationship with someone that he really likes and We've already gotten more focus on their relationship in this season than we did all last season. So I think this is this can't be the last that we've seen of of this relationship for this season. She'll be coming do, back. Do we know whether he's told her about Melty Face Pike yet? We do not know. Okay. Yeah, I think the assumption is the only one that does know is is uh, is Una. Spock knows. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think he told Spock. He might have. He might have showed Spock in the alternate reality in a in a quality. Oh, that's mercy. right. That's right. It was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then no, it was it was early on. Spock came down and and Pike explained that he was on Boreth and and Spock yeah, goes, well. Spock there's knows. only two things on Boreth: the monastery and the, these weird time crystals. I don't think it was the monastery. Yeah, uh, we'd, we'd have to go to the wiki, to the wiki to see. But uh, <laughs> wiki wiki. <yeah. laughs> to memory alpha, we go. And but John, tonight, John, because is going tonight, to hit us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to memory alpha tonight because tonight nope. is time to wrap up this episode. Indeed. That has been our discussion of season two, episode four of Strange New Worlds among the Lotus Eaters. Uh, next week's episode will be, I don't know i lost it i can't i can't find it next episode next week's episode will be an episode of star trek strange new worlds and <laughs> hey, we will case discuss sarah, sarah. 
What will be, will be. Future's not ours to see. Whatever it is, we'll discuss it. But until then, we're going <laughs> to wrap old. it up for the night. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for hanging in there through all of our ramblings, or at least as much of the ramblings that made it into the final episode. And I want to thank all of you gentlemen for being on this panel this evening. Chris, thank you for joining us. Where can people find you out in the wilds of the web? I am a host of the Quantum Leap Podcast. Find us at quantumleappodcast.com. Don't listen to Rick. It's an amazing, an amazing show. It is, and I've never said no, it. No, no, you don't get to talk. You don't get to talk. <laughs> <laughs> he gets to talk a little bit because now we are going to say thank you, Rick, for being on this panel tonight. Where can people find you on the you internet? Can- Find me right here on that Star Trek podcast. You can find me occasionally on the uh, Cosmic Potato podcast. You can occasionally find me on Captain Game Show. And maybe, depending on when you're listening to this, you may find me on a new top secret show that's coming soon. Okay, and now now no more talking. Now you have to stop. Chris said you have to stop, so stop. (laughs) Tom... Thank you for being here. And where can people find you out there on the internet, if anywhere? And if they can't find you, where would you like them to go instead? Well, much like Rick, you can find me on that Star Trek podcast, occasionally on Cosmic Potato. And yeah, that's about it at the moment. So Have you, you haven't been on, on Captain Game Show yet? Nope. Never been on Captain Game Show. John! We should try, we should try to fix that. And I, I would suspect that um, sometime in the probably not too distant future we'll probably see you I hope on uh, an episode of Moon Show a for Moon all show. mankind podcast oh I forgot about that yes I'm on Moon I, Show too I thought that was the top secret one you were talking about so. oh no 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 he's got another top secret secret that he's working on um, well, Moon so Show I, a for all mankind podcast which at the time that we're recording this has not debuted yet but it will be coming soon first episode has been recorded We'll be recording the second episode uh, middle of the next week. Uh, I thought it was a it was a great show. It is hosted by our very own Nick Yeager uh, of superanemic.com. Who, if uh, you found this particular episode to be rambly, it's her fault for not supervising. <laughs> yep, I, she, she's she's got to she's got to be here. Got to be here to you know to rap on the desk and say move on. Speaking of moving <laughs> on, I'll do the final goodbye of the night. Um, uh, I am Scott Madison, the host of this year podcast. You can also find me in various places on the network, as well as on my own website, showcasing some of my graphic artwork. You can find that at www.planetrisecreative.com. And thank you, listeners, all of you, for downloading, listening, and hopefully subscribing to this and all the rest of the Infinite Potato Podcasts. We will be back next week with another episode of that Star Trek podcast. Thank you very much, and good night. Brain and brain. What is brain? I know John will cut that out. (laughs) I keep trying to slip a little something in after the goodbye and he never lets it go. (laughs) It's because he knows that's what you're trying to do. Yeah, I know. Also, (laughs) he wants to bring the music to a crescendo right at that good night. It's not the destination. (laughs) It's the journey. (laughs) Hang on. I'm going to turn it off. Stop the recording.